I'm Denzel Mohammed, and this is Jobmakers. At the start of this year, Pioneer Institute collaborated with the Immigrant Learning Center on this podcast due to our deep roots among immigrants in Massachusetts and beyond, particularly those who are overrepresented in one very important field, job creation. Immigrants have always been inherently entrepreneurial, from Levi's jeans and Coors Bear to Goya Foods and Tesla. But that penchant for creating jobs flies in the face of the myth that immigrants take jobs. For Jim Stergios, Executive Director of Pioneer Institute, it is a story that needs to be told. It is, after all, at the core of American enterprise, innovation, and prosperity. It's what gives the U.S. its edge over other countries, and it's the truth. For Jim, it is also personal. His father and uncles got together and started their own business as young immigrants to the U.S. from Greece. It is a common story among immigrant families, old and new, and Jim believes the entrepreneurial spirit of yesteryear is the same among today's immigrants as you learn in this week's Jobmakers. Jim Stergios, thank you for joining us on Jobmakers. How are you? I'm doing really well, and thanks for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. You've been doing a great job. Pioneer Institute is the one who approached the Immigrant Learning Center about doing a podcast on immigrant entrepreneurship and immigrant contributions called Job Makers. Where did that idea come from? There are all sorts of divisions uh, in how people talk about immigration and entrepreneurship. And frankly, they've lost the sense that entrepreneurship and the creation of jobs and companies is an integral part of why we seek, why we welcome immigrants into this country. Um, if you look at the left, I think there's a lot of thinking that this, uh, sort of, I guess, all sides are a little bit cartoonish on this. The left believes that America is sort of an oppressor society. Uh, if you go to the traditional right, uh, I think they'd probably say, or maybe even libertarian side, free capital and free labor, let it all flow. And then you have the more revanchist right that we saw during the Trump years really take hold, which is, oh my gosh, all of immigration is uh, a messiness at the southern border, and that's all it is. And you know, I sometimes, uh, I have to tell you, sometimes I look at the Facebook page where we uh, post up uh, the, the fantastic work that you're doing, talking about people creating jobs and people coming here with dreams and wanting to do stuff. And I shake my head and say, do people actually think that um, immigrants, uh, that the whole immigration picture is about protecting the southern border? And it's it's a sort of madness. So watching that kind of uh conversation that people don't even have, they're just talking past each other. Um, I wanted to really emphasize uh, real people doing real things, facing real problems, trying to build a real life here in America, which is why they come. Uh, you know, things like, I want to start a business. I have a dream. I want to start this business. and Maybe I can't get there immediately. I'm going to go do something else. I'm going to solve that problem. I'm going to find some capital. I'm going to find some talent. I'm going to figure out how to train them. I'm going to do whatever I can to find the connections to find a way to go to market. I'm going to improve people's lives. And then, yeah, I'll make a buck at the same time. That's kind of what this, this country has been about. And I think that whole thing has been lost. Um, and maybe if I could just say one more thing, which I think is absolutely crucial, this conversation, and that is, um, I think Americans lose sight of the fact that 
of the entrepreneurial spirit really does come from immigrants. Immigrants come here for a reason for the most part. And of course, there are people at the edges, I get all that. But they come here for a reason, they want to do something, and they recognize that this society allows them to do stuff that maybe their home country would not. And that's the beautiful mix between an immigrant who wants to build something and the United States, which tends to like to see people build stuff. It's a story I hear over and over again, no matter if you're in, you know, big pharma or pharmaceuticals, life sciences, or you run a doggy daycare or, a, you know, a corner shop somewhere. It's, yeah. It is the same story. And I've heard from, again, from highly, very highly educated people talking about, well, you know, back home in India or in Pakistan, you know, I didn't belong to the right tribe or my skin color is not um, something that people would want to, you know, give me money to invest in, in, in my business idea. Um, Dominican women who came from a very patriarchal society who would not have been able to start businesses in the Dominican Republic are able to do that here. Um, that entrepreneurial spirit, you know, business owner or not, that entrepreneurial spirit drove them to take a risk and to come here um, to create a better life. Now, the fact that um, there have been you know, we present facts, we present research, we present stories, and yet even some of the simplest things like, like the data is questioned. You know, people question the data, they question the numbers, they question the motivations of, of people who come here. What do you think is at the heart of this kind of response, this really visceral response to immigration today? I think it's dislocation in the economy, number one. And there is certainly sort of, look, we've always have had ethnic, I shouldn't say we, the entire world has always faced ethnic and racial biases. We are not unique in that. We have a unique story around racial bias and around ethnic biases. We certainly do. Uh, but anyone who's traveled, and I spent the first 10 years of my career abroad uh, in Europe and in the Far East, and look, these are things we, I saw everywhere. Um, I think this, the second thing I'd say, and this is more now than when I was a kid, um, I feel like these days there's just so much divisiveness around um, what you have and protecting what you have. Um, and it's probably because people feel more at risk. Uh, I hope it's not more than that. Uh, I'd like to think it's not. And I think that's why we're doing this podcast and trying to participate in this way and just trying to inform people about real stories and real people is when you understand real people, you start, those things start falling away. And immigra immigration has always been to our benefit, which is, you know, big part of the puzzle for me uh, that is given opportunity to people who have in turn created jobs and built up economies and expanded local economies. Um, but you have a personal connection to immigrant entrepreneurship. And tell me a little bit about your parents. I have the traditional immigration story where mom and dad, uh, neither, both of whom completed uh, high school, one with a GED, uh, came over from Syria and Greece. Um, neither had anything to to their name, uh, and they meet. They fall in love. My my dad had been at war in World War II, a Marine in the uh, Far Eastern Theater. Uh, came back, had some trouble. I think in terms of trying to figure out what to do with his life after war. War is a tough thing, right? Um, and um, moved from sales position to sales position. And finally settled on 
working with his brother, very family-oriented business, and his other brother, and founded a window and um, uh, door and other construction materials manufacturing facility. You know, it's just, it's sort of hard work, um, it's putting together money, trying to move things ahead. You, at some point, achieve some success, and you, um, you know, to, it's kind of a funny thing. I guess the difference is these days, if I think about the culture, I mean, it was a, it was a pretty religious culture at home uh, where you did a lot of Bible study and you tried to, you know, read things. And we're pretty different from, I think, immigrants today in two ways. Um, one is we were more closed. You know, we would hang around with Syrians and Greeks a lot. And our interactions outside of that were... Um, at the public school where we'd get to meet other kids, right? Uh, so I think that's a little bit different these days. I think there's more of a yearning to connect with other immigrants, especially given the tenor of the conversation these days. I think it's a, probably a little bit different, especially in urban areas. And I guess the second thing is, my dad used to always say, don't go to college, work, do what I do, become just like me. And I think these days, immigrants probably have a very different view for the most part. If you're starting a business, you understand what education means, and because we're in a different kind of economy, uh, a, a manufacturing economy, which is low investment, maybe up front, building, building, building to the point where you can make bigger investments, that's education plays a huge role now, which is, I think, one of the big puzzles we have on the policy side in Massachusetts to think through how we make sure we can address that issue. Well, what I'm getting at is this idea that somehow immigrants from the past were inherently different to immigrants of today. Oh no 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 not at all. That's that's uh, that's very that's that's not the case. I think they've just grown up in a different world where you know Daniel Bell, the um, sociologist from Harvard, uh, wrote a book called The Post-Industrial Society back in 1968, I think it was, and he was simply saying, "Look, education is going to separate people going forward." And all I'm pointing to is that there's a there's a that has had an impact on how immigrants come to this country and and. Uh, what they do here. But frankly, even back in the 1960s, we had a whole uh, um, recruitment effort of highly educated Indians, for example, to come here and work in the, the medical field. So we've had, nothing's really changed that much. I'm just saying that the educational emphasis is so huge now um, in terms of what you can do going forward that um, it's probably something that um, has changed some of the pattern of what I grew up with. But the values, I mean, come on, the values are the same. The reasons why people come here are the same. I'm often really struck by when I talk to immigrants uh, about what they think about the United States and then what I hear Americans say about their own society. I, I, would, I would guess that the polling is somewhere around like, you know, the positivity around being an American is like huge among immigrants and among, among the sourpost Americans these days. It's so, well, you know, we're, we're a terrible place. <laughs> But bringing it into Massachusetts, where much of your uh, Pioneer Institute's focus is, uh, what have you seen as the impact of immigration in Massachusetts, particularly in the past few decades? Yeah, no, it's, I think there's, a, there's one um, constant, and that is uh, immigrants coming to this country change. Um, not the underlying values, though people always feel like those are at risk. It's rather how we interpret those values. And the cultural impacts of people across time are huge. And if we go back to like the 19th century, anybody who's been brought up in Boston understands the, the imprint on how we've interpreted freedom and how we've interpreted governing and how we've interpreted uh, business creation, um, 
hospitality and the hospitality industry because of the, uh, the Irish immigrants who were here, the, the role of Catholicism in our society vis-a-vis uh, -vis what was there before. I mean, it's a huge, huge change. And every wave of immigrants brings that sort of larger cultural impact. And I think it's all positive and enriching. Uh, I, I remember as a kid going, uh, traveling to Fitchburg and to, to Lawrence to and, and Worcester, uh, connecting with people who are uh, on my uh, Syrian side, uh, the Syrian Orthodox Church, and you know, it's it was just a terribly enriching to those places as well. So it's um, the impact of of immigrants isn't just uh, economic; it's it's literature. It impacts how we what we write about the stories that we tell, the ones that we find most fetching, the ones that we find most interesting. Uh, it's all impacted by that. Uh, but then, of course, there is this amazing impact on opportunity. And I think anybody who was in Kendall Square 30 years ago and stands there again now says, oh my God. And I'm not saying those are all citadels built to the ingenuity of immigrants, but man, there are a lot of immigrants in those buildings and they built a lot of them. <laughs> and that same thing is true across society. I mean, if we look at some of our, our institutions, our strongest institutions, the one that give real oomph, real impetus to uh, the development of companies here. And let's just talk for a second about our hospital sector, uh, top docs, ones that actually help us identify ways in which we can invest in the life sciences. A lot of immigrants there and the people who are, are, are doing, even back in the 70s, you're talking about a couple of decades, going back to the 70s and 80s, the, the, um, the development of tech in this state, it's all uh, highly influenced, highly driven by immigrants. So um, I think anybody who talks to you, especially with MIT, Harvard, Boston University, Emerson College, Boston College, all these different universities, they're highly dependent on, especially in the STEM areas, highly dependent on uh, the talent that they can recruit and actively seek to recruit it. Come on, we know what immigrants have meant for this state. You talk about Kendall Square, and I think of, you mentioned Moderna earlier, Pfizer, the other vaccine manufacturer, also founded by an immigrant, you know, maybe a century ago, but that tradition of immigrant entrepreneurship continues today, and we're all benefiting from it. Um, but let's not forget Fields Corner. Yeah. Let's not forget some of these other places, you know, the Immigrant Learning Center is based in Malden, uh, Pleasant Street, Main Street, all populated by many, many immigrant immigrant-run businesses of every kind, from the Irish pub to the Vietnamese nail salon. Yep. Um, all of these places have been revitalized through people moving in when the rents were cheap and over, might take a generation or two, but it gets there yep. um, to a place of safety and prosperity. Um, do, do you think Massachusetts- and So that's, that's kind of what I was trying to get at earlier and, and didn't say as well as you just said it. And what I mean is, um, Look, I, I'm, I'm not sour on Americans. I love this country. I love my, my fellow citizens. But uh, when you go to um, everywhere from uh, Brookline to Malden to Fields Corner to Lawrence, who are starting those neighborhood businesses too? I mean, yes, there are people who, are, who have been here for, for a century or more. Yep. But the real energy comes from folks who are immigrants. And what would we do without these quintessential neighborhood businesses as well. So uh, that's what I mean by replenishing the entrepreneurial spirit. It's uh, the desire, you've taken a risk to come here. The idea of taking risk again, 
to put you know some money down and take a risk on your talent and your work ethic. Um, you know, this is true. When I, I spent some time in academia, and we, I used to have, always have a laugh with one of my professors who said, uh, used to say, uh, Jim, you eat every book you have. You are uh, very um, desirous. <laughs> you have big desires. And uh, I said, I think it's because I'm a kid of immigrants. And I think it is true. Even there, she would always say, my best students are immigrants because they don't take anything for granted. Uh, so it's, it's all to be achieved. Uh, so I, I'm, look, I'm not trying to be overly sentimental here, but I do believe there's something to replenishing the, the spirit of the United States that comes through immigrants. And I think that often gets lost uh, in the messiness of our conversation. You mentioned something that uh, I find very fascinating, which is this idea of the child of immigrants. Um, we actually did a study uh, through uh, Paul Watanabe at UMass Boston uh, on the adult children of immigrant entrepreneurs. You spoke earlier about your father wanting you to be an, an entrepreneur, uh, but that this generation, you know, even the immigrants who start the laundromats or the nail salons or the grocery stores really do focus on education. And what we found in that study is that the majority of the children of immigrant entrepreneurs actually go into occupations of service. So they go into the medical field, they go into, um, they become social workers, they become people who serve their communities by and large, which I, I found absolutely fascinating. And I see that, you know, in a sense, you're doing much the same thing by trying to improve policy in Massachusetts. But are we failing our immigrants? And particularly as we talk about the children of immigrants in Massachusetts, um, you know, when polled, people often find that the most detrimental impact of immigration is on our schools. Uh, can you talk a little bit about how Pioneer feels about um, this, this aspect of immigration? Well, uh, Denzel, you know that education is the thing that makes uh, Pioneer's heart go pitter-patter. A good 50, 60% of everything we do is related to K-12 education. It's not even higher education, it's K-12, because we think those are the formative years. And, you know, I... I I guess the thing I, I'd say is that, look, Massachusetts is, is fortunate to have had political leadership in the past that supported big reforms that I think had some real impact on driving up the performance of low-income immigrant English language learner communities. And I feel like uh, we have really slowed in that process to the point where uh, just to give one example, and I'm not trying to call out Boston per se, because it's an issue that uh, I think is um, applies to a number of our, our districts, but the Boston public schools were actually put under a consent order by the Justice Department, the Department of Education in 2012, because the, seven, the 17,000 of the 53,000, 54,000 students, about 30% of their students who are English language learners, uh, weren't getting an adequate um, uh, education. They weren't having people who were trained. They weren't having, they, it was just a complete and utter mess. If you read the report, the Department of Justice, the Department of Education put out, it's shameful. Uh, Massachusetts is a high-performing state um, overall, overall, um, has among uh, immigrants even lower uh, scores, and scores are not everything, but scores are something, uh, for their students uh, than Florida. And I guess I'd say that's something we need to rectify and rectify and pay a lot of attention to it for many reasons. There are reasons of 
equity and humanity and all the rest. But there's also one other one, which is goes to the heart of why people come here. That is a talent pool of people who are highly motivated because their parents are highly motivated. And to lose the opportunity to have them do great stuff, that's true of any kid. But of this group of folks who actually have uh, probably inculcated into them from an early age, you must make something of yourself and do something to become a good American. Um, that's really shameful. Uh, and I think a real lost opportunity for revitalizing our cities across the neighborhoods you're talking about, but frankly, doing the great stuff in Kendall Square and elsewhere as well. So what so, is Pioneer's position on immigration? What, what areas or issues uh, under that large immigration umbrella are most important to you and why? So I, I think our, our position is, uh, maybe I could state three philosophical things. It's a little bit broad, but you know, we respect people. We understand that all people have value and have something to contribute. And I think sometimes it's good to just remember we're talking about individuals. Um, that comes from sort of the libertarian spirit. All people matter. No one matters more than anyone else. Um, we also believe in the rule of law. Uh, and I think the other thing we believe in is we like debate. We like open debate, civil debate. And all three of these come crashing together on the immigration issue because it, it means you Pioneer will not have a clear position on some things because the rule of law bumps up against uh, respect for all individuals because, of course, some people come from, quote unquote, outside and some people are inside, right? I think the thing that matters to us most is, one number one, having a real honest but civil conversation around this based upon real lives with uh, in mind for Pioneer, from Pioneer's perspective, with uh, two things in mind. Uh, number one, uh, immigrants make up a large portion of our public schools. We have to do right by them. And number two is they play an enormous role in the economic prosperity of this state. Uh, and we want to make sure that we welcome them, that we take advantage, not take advantage, but we benefit from them uh, as much as we can and that they can benefit from being here as um as American citizens, if they so choose, or on work visas, if they don't choose to be American citizens. And we want that to be done fairly and without bias. Uh, so those are the two things that matter most to us um, and, and the place that we look uh, most. And I think you'll see, for example, Pioneer Institute is setting up a legal center. Uh, some of the work that we'll do will be probably related to making sure that immigrants are treated fairly here before the law. Uh, immigrant entrepreneurs will be treated fairly before the law. And you'll see a lot of our work uh, focus on making sure that uh, people who may not have as much of a voice here are getting treated fairly by our school system and have ample opportunity to get educated. That's through a new litigation center we're going to be setting up uh, early in uh, January. And you'll see Pioneer's own work uh, focus on those issues as well over the coming years. So. Those are the two places where we land. I know there's much more to the debate. So let's recap. Immigrants have an inherently entrepreneurial spirit. They are job creators. With, because of, of that spirit, they believe strongly in the American dream. They believe strongly in freedom and opportunity. Um, I think we've seen over the course of many decades that immigrants do integrate, that immigrants do learn English. Uh, the Immigrant Learning Center is a free English language program. We have never had to advertise our services. We've always had a waiting list. 
that immigrants are not just numbers, they are people with stories and dreams, that immigration in the US is not just the southern border. It's much more complex than that. Um, and that we, especially here in Massachusetts, but of course across the country, have benefited from that entrepreneurial spirit, that desirous um, spirit of the getting the American dream, uh, whether it's Biogen and Moderna and Pfizer or the neighborhood business that that you know rectifies a food desert, mm-hmm. um, and that this is intrinsically tied to the American story, right? Absolutely. There is no American story without it. Jim Stergios, Executive Director of Pioneer Institute, thank you for joining us on Jobmakers. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. And thank you for making this podcast possible. <laughs> <laughs> Jobmakers is a weekly podcast about immigrant entrepreneurship and contribution produced by Pioneer Institute, a think tank in Boston, and the Immigrant Learning Center of Malden, Massachusetts, a not-for-profit that gives immigrants a voice. Thank you for joining us for this week's fascinating discussion on how immigrants, together with the U.S. born, make a better U.S. If you know someone we should talk to, email Denzil, that's D-E-N-Z-I-L, at jobmakerspodcast.org. Leave us a review on your favorite streaming service, too. I'm Denzil Mohammed. Join us next Thursday at noon for another Jobmakers.